0: Hello, chefs. This is the Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about building your kitchen team. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give you a quick update. I am doing a dinner on June 26th in Dallas, Texas at Jose Restaurant with uh, Anastasia Quinones. We're going to have chefs Philip Spear and Rick Lopez, both Austin chefs, both fantastic cooks. Philip's from Commodore, one of the best restaurants in Austin, and Rick is from La Candesa, James Beard nominated restaurants, a ton of accolades between the two of them. Of course, Chef A. Q. Anastasia. She's James Beard nominated as well. She's, you know, I, I'd say right now she's probably the the queen of Dallas, maybe the princess, depending on on uh, on who you ask. Um, and then myself, obviously the best retired chef uh, in the business. Well, I don't say that. That's what everyone says about me. Anyway, I'll be doing that dinner on June 26th. If you're in Dallas. Uh, and you, and you want to try some good food, it's going to be focused around Mexican cuisine. You want to make sure that you're there. I might do a little meet and greet, meet the chefs, talk to us, shoot the shit. If you all want to do that, if you're in Dallas and you want to do a chef's PSA, meet the chef, meet and greet, let me know. I love having these conversations with chefs, so I get a lot of DMs all day. Um, and, and by the way, if you haven't been involved in the Cigar Sunday Q&As that I do, I want to make sure that you do that. I look forward to those. I, I look forward to smoking my cigar. I look forward to getting the questions last week. They were really good. Um, but for those of you that aren't aware, maybe you don't follow me on Instagram. If you do, um, and you want to do a Q and a with me on Sundays, go to the chef's PSA page on Instagram on Sundays. I'll do a Q and a, you can ask your questions. I try to get to all the questions that I can. Some of them, Um, I'm not going to respond to because they're not questions, they're just statements, so I'm not going to respond to a statement, but if you have genuine questions about the industry, about me, about Chef's PSA, things that are troubling you, feel free to ask. I'm there for that. Other updates, the Bad Sue Good Chef book is out. Make sure you go get it. I've uh, I've received a lot of really good feedback from other chefs that enjoyed it. Actually, uh, my chef, my mentor sent me a note this morning and said how much he enjoyed it and reminded him of the conversations that we had uh, when, when I was a dummy. I'm still a dummy sometimes. Anyway, it was nice to, it, it was nice to get uh, the comment from him. The dedication at the beginning of the book is dedicated to two of my chefs, Kirk Bachman, the chef that runs the Escoffier Schools, and Patrick Mitchell. He's a culinary competing world champion uh, across the globe, part of the uh, World Master Chef Society. Been on Team USA a couple of times, been to the Culinary Olympics. Anyway, those are my chefs that I admire and I wanted to make sure that I dedicated the book to them. Shout out to those guys. Also, a few episodes back, I did a two-part series on opening a restaurant. So part one was the critical path and part two was what to expect after you're open and strategies. I had mentioned during that episode that I might turn that whole episode into a critical path that I could give away. So the critical path is done. So I'm announcing it right now. I'll put it out sometime next week. It took me a minute to to create the critical path to go back and listen to the episodes and then add more and transcribe, put links, make it look pretty, but I'll have that up. I'm I'm not going to sell it for free. For those people that are interested in opening up a restaurant, don't hold me accountable to it because obviously the information is only as good as the person using it. So, I'll have Opening a Restaurant Critical Path available next week. For those of you that are interested and you want to learn how to open up a restaurant, that'll be available for free. I'll put it on my website. Speaking of my website, I'm trying to update my website. I'm in the process of redoing my website and it's taking a little bit longer than I thought. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a website designer, but um, I'm not going to pay someone to do it because if I do it, I'll learn how to design websites. I designed it the first time. I figured I could do it again, but better. The only problem is my skills haven't gotten better in in designing websites, so it's taken a little bit of time, but there will be a revised Chef's PSA website coming soon. It's going to look much cleaner. That's what I've been up to. One more thing before we get into today's episode. I get asked a lot of questions, so I've been asked to get into AI a little bit more and how I use it and how it could benefit a lot of chefs. And I've also been asked specifically if I could explain my morning routine. Now, I probably could do a whole podcast on my morning routine but I, I don't think that it's completely in line with Chef's PSA because it's more unique to me and not everything that I do has anything to do with being a chef. And so I'm gonna do two spin spin-off episodes specifically on my morning routine and also expanding upon how I use AI, but I will have those as bonus episodes and I will put those on my YouTube channel exclusively. So by the way, I'm on YouTube. So you might be watching this on Spotify or you may be watching this on YouTube, but if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you thumbs up, subscribe, whatever the fuck they tell you to do on YouTube. So that thing that, uh, uh, make sure you do that. And if you're not, and you're listening on Spotify, go subscribe to my YouTube page. I don't think you could leave five stars on YouTube, but you should leave five stars on the podcast, but leave the thumbs up on YouTube. Anyway, we digress. So Building a team in the kitchen. Probably one of the most important things that you're going to do as a chef is going to be building your team. And when you're building a team, you know, depending on what type of kitchen you're running, you're probably going to get all ranges of skill sets. So people that are well versed, maybe ready to take your job as the chef and people that are entry level, maybe right out of culinary school or it is their first job in the kitchen. There's nothing wrong with that. But having a diverse kitchen is probably one of the best things that you could do as a chef. You want to make sure that you're getting people from different backgrounds and different restaurants and different, different cooking styles, especially if you're running a larger kitchen. The last job that I had where I had to hire a ton of people, I wanted to hire people's that had a very high-end background. So I was looking for people that had like a Michelin star restaurant pedigree or were coming from restaurants that were on the world's 50 best and things like that. And so uh, as I was finding people, I noticed that they were all coming from different backgrounds. They were all superstars in the organizations in which they were working. Now, sometimes this could be a problem because when you bring a lot of A, lot of a players, a lot of people want to be Superman. They want to be Batman. They want to be the superhero star of the show. And so me trying to get all these highly skilled chefs to come together and work with each other as equals and peers was something that, you know, I had to have a little bit of finesse to manage all of them. You know, I felt like uh, I felt like I was RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan, having all these very highly talented individuals all trying to work together towards a common goal. And one of the things that I would say to them is, look, when we join this team, it's one voice, one mission. We all have different backgrounds. We're all going to create one culture. And it doesn't matter that you did it this way at this restaurant or that way at this other restaurant. When we all come together, it has to be the way that we're doing it here. So we all have to agree on it. And we need to make the best decisions for the operation because a lot of times when you're bringing in different individuals from different backgrounds, they're very strong and very passionate and say, this is how we did it at this place. This is how we did it at the other place. This is the best way to do things. And so what I would do is I would hear them out and I'd say, okay, I like the idea of this here and I like the idea of this here, but this is how we're going to do it here. And once we establish that as the standard, it would become non-negotiable. But back to the analogy of trying to create a team of superheroes, what I would say to them is I don't need Batman on the team. I don't need Superman. I need the Justice League. I need all of you to come together. uh, You know, the Wu-Tang example formed like Voltron. And that's, that's really what I needed is I needed everyone from different perspectives to be looking at the same problem and coming up with unique solutions to solve it. And they were able to because they all had different backgrounds. And when you work with people that have different backgrounds from different restaurants and different cultures, and if you're open to the idea of hearing them out and saying, that's a good idea, but maybe it doesn't work here, but maybe a part of it does. Now I have a chef's PSA that sometimes, sometimes I get a lot of shit for. A lot of people understand it. But when you don't understand it, there's some nuance in what I'm trying to say. And that is no one cares how you did it at your last job. That's mostly true, but it's not always true. And let me explain what I mean by that. When it's your first day on the job, there's an, there's this insecure feeling that you have that you gotta, you gotta prove your worth. And as I say, often in the kitchen, the only currency that really matters is your ability to cook. That's the currency that you bring. And so... When you come from another restaurant, you're bringing that currency with you and you immediately want to show your value and say, This is how we did it at the last job. The reason I advise against it is because no one wants to hear that shit on your first day. It's like, Why don't you learn how we do it here before you talk about the old job? It's like talking about your ex in front of the, the new boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, no one wants to hear that shit. Right? I don't want to hear that shit. I don't think a lot of other chefs want to hear that shit. I want you to learn the way that we do it here. Now, It doesn't mean that I might not ask you, how did you do it there? And I'll start picking people's brains. No. That's more of the insecure, egocentric chef coming in and flexing about how they did it at the other place and everyone needs to learn from them. And I'm not saying it's always wrong, but I'm saying in my experience, the majority of the time, not all the time, but in the majority of the time, those people are not doing it for the right reasons. They're not doing it because they actually care about improving the operation. They're doing it more as a flex. Now, what I'm talking about when you're building your team, you might need to pick people's brains. You might need to say, how did you do it at that other place? What did you do at that restaurant? What was unique? What are some of those things that you could impart here to help us level up and become better? That's different. Because one way is seen as a negative is that you're being disruptive and you're being insecure. And the other way is seen as you're being collaborative. And when you're building a team, you want people that you could collaborate with. You all don't need to think the same. There's an expression. If two people on the same team think alike, then one of them is useless. I don't want a team of yes men. I actually prefer people that disagree with me in a respectful way. Now, there's, there's a way that you could disagree with someone that it's still respectful. But when I was the chef, um, I used to share an office with my executive sous chefs. And I did that because sometimes I just sit back in the chair and, you know, as the ideas were rolling around, I stopped, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I wanted to play off them every possible scenario because I wanted to know what I might be missing. I wanted to know what I might not be thinking about in a certain case. Maybe it had to do with food. Maybe it had to do with a problem that we were facing. And I would just throw out these things. And if they just agreed with everything that I said, then I would just sometimes be living in an echo chamber and I wouldn't be getting anywhere. So when you're building your team, you want to make sure that you have people that you could bounce ideas off, that you could disagree with respectfully, that have a different perspective than you do, because being in an echo chamber can be dangerous. You want someone on your team that will tell you when you're going to make a mistake. As the expression goes, don't ever let a good boss make a bad decision. I needed people around me that were sometimes telling me, hey, I know you think this is a good idea, but let me tell you why, or let me tell you what the team is saying behind your back because they don't want to tell you. I needed those people around me. Those people are worth their weight in gold. I, I, ne- I was never upset about that. And I think if you're a chef, you need those people around you because they have your best interest in mind. Now, there's a certain level of discernment that you need as an individual to say, you know what, they might, they might not see what I'm trying to do because I understand that perspective because I used to think that way, but I've evolved my thought process. you should hear them out and they shouldn't feel uncomfortable coming to you. Now, when you're building a team of cooks and you're pulling from a lot of restaurants, I'd caution you to pull everything from the same area because you'll just end up replicating that restaurant that you're pulling from. So for example, let's say there's a restaurant that might be your competition and they close and then all their cooks are defecting and they're coming to work for you. Well, If they all come work for you, you might just end up replicating that other restaurant that closed because that is the style. And not only that, but you also bring the culture. You bring those habits with you, good and bad. So keep that in mind. I'm not against bringing on two or three people from one restaurant, but when you bring multiples, it's not always the best thing because you're, like I said, you're bringing on those bad habits, you're bringing on that culture, but sometimes you could be bringing on some of that dissension. So if there is a problem and you need to get rid of one person from that, from that click, You might be losing all three or four if they all came together. So that's always a little bit of a slippery slope when people bring, when people come in groups. I know I've dealt with that situation before where I lose one. And as soon as you lose one, two and three are also gone. And I, and I would prepare for that in my mind. Like I would sit down in the office and I would talk to my, uh, one of my sous chefs or my executive sous chef. I say, Hey we're gonna lose this person. And when we lose this person, we're also gonna lose this person and this person and this person. So are we really prepared for that? Have we really thought this through? And so that's, that's the danger of bringing people in groups. So it's important that you notice that and that you're aware of that potential pitfall. So I would caution you to bring everyone that's coming in a group. And it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but if you could separate them, it's probably even better for you. You don't wanna be forming clicks and silos in your kitchen. Because when you form cliques and silos, that, that really never ends well. That means that one group is excluding another group, and then there's dissension, and then there's favoritism. And when you, start, when you start seeing that, it's important that you recognize it as the chef, and you find out how to break up the group, or you pull one person out, and you move them to a different area of the kitchen, different shift. If you have multiple kitchens, you put them in another kitchen, whatever the case may be. When you recognize there's trouble brewing with cliques, that's when you got to break them up. Now, the last thing I'll say is I think it's important that you mix it up with a variety of people, men, women, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, because you're going to start to pick up on little skills that you might be completely unaware of. A great place you see that is like if you have a restaurant, you have family meal, and then people cook maybe food from their hometown. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's a good idea. Why did we never think of that? In my last job, we had a lot of international students that were on J-1 visas. And every now and again they would cook for family meal and I would see techniques and dishes that I'd never seen before. I was like, mm. I could take that idea and I could use it over here. And I would get inspired. Sometimes they'd just show me something I like, I'd never seen that before. How did you do that? I'd taste it. They'd explain it to me. This is the story behind it. This tradition. You'll learn a lot about food by trying other people's cuisines and their backgrounds and their ethnicities. So basically, in a nutshell, you're designing a kitchen team. You want to make sure that you have a variety of skill sets. The more experienced cooks are helping the inexperienced cooks get to that level, right? Because the more experienced cooks most likely are on the trajectory of their career path, going on to become sous chefs or executive chefs or whatever the case may be. And then you have entry-level cooks that you're basically developing and mentoring to become the next future star. So the, the highly competent cooks are bringing up the newly the newly hatched cooks so that everyone is on the same page. So you, you create a succession plan. So remember this, you want the justice league. You don't want individual superheroes. You want multiple backgrounds, careful pulling from all the same restaurant, have different levels of skills, have different backgrounds, mix it up, share meals. You'll learn a lot about people when you share meals and make sure you have people on your team that are confident with you to tell you what you need to know, when you're doing wrong, and that don't always agree with everything that you say because that's where you're gonna get fresh and different perspectives. Anyway, that's how I build my kitchen team. Maybe that's not how you build your kitchen team. I should also mention one more thing. You know, I I touched on this, but I kind of left it hanging out there. Is I said that I went after a certain level of cooks. I do think that's important, but I'm not saying that you exclude people if they don't necessarily have that skill but I'll give you an example if you're opening up an Italian restaurant you're going to go after cooks that have that sort of background it doesn't mean that you're only going to hire cooks that have those requisite skills you might hire people that have similar skills that would fit but you want some frame of reference of that type of cuisine so so it doesn't mean that they're all coming from the same restaurant you might be pulling from multiple Italian restaurants and then you might mix it in with someone that's coming from a French restaurant background because they will be able to introduce things also that are different and unique to the team. They just might have a different perspective on how things are done. A different paradigm shift can sometimes be a good thing in a kitchen. Anyway, that's it for now. If you want to support the show, make sure you leave five stars, nothing less than five stars, anything less than five stars, put that shit on someone else's podcast not on this one. If you're watching, thumbs up. If you want to support, also there's a um, support the show link on Spotify where you could donate to the show. I appreciate that. Go get the book, Bad Sue, Good Chef, Kitchen Art of War, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals. And we will see you next week. Look out for those two short YouTube episodes also coming soon. Tell your friends, hit the porno music.